right, welcome back to the latest and the greatest of the Blue Brothers Sportscast. Real talk, real fans, we bring you Michigan football each and every week. I'm Caleb, and with me as always is Craig, and it's officially done, it's officially over, it came to a close, and it was in the final seconds of the game, but Michigan men's basketball, their season ended against the Oregon Ducks in the sweet 16. Man, I'm mad. I know it, it was, it was a rough way to go down. I mean, Ugh, it, it, it was seemed, just what a brutal game though, man. That was tough to watch. It's almost like football season carried over in a basketball season because not being able to close out games there at the end. And that finished there with the Oregon game. So many questions, so much, frustration disappointment but at the same time really honestly an excellent year for the team it was amazing how far they went especially considering like halfway through the entire season it was looking so dismal but I I'm not necessarily mad at anybody but I'm one of those people who definitely thinks that the end of that game could have been done a lot differently (laughs) well yeah you and i were both were i think you tweeted out first of all you know if you just want to take the game as a whole you in the first half and then the second half you i think you tweeted out you just said this is just a sloppy game like you know did you something like that and i went yeah "Yeah, i have to agree just it looked messy just didn't look like anybody was doing anything i think i called us sloppy joes (laughs) but yeah now now give Oregon credit for their defense but still outside of that even both teams were playing what looked very sloppy Oregon has uh, a legit defense so they did cause problems for Michigan so not saying Oregon didn't do anything but as a whole that game was rough for both teams but then there at the end uh, we won't linger on it too much, but we uh, during basketball season, specifically during you know postseason, the Big Ten tournament, the uh, NCAA March Madness, we'll bring things up with basketball. So with this and how it ended, yeah, there was a lot of talk about it, and a lot of people were like, "Well, there's not much more that you can do." And and the one thing that I forgot to go back and look uh, because I talked about a whole lot that night, and then I stepped away from it. I was like, "I'm done." I'm, you know, it's, it's the game's over. And then I would went back and was talking about it with somebody uh, like a day or two ago. Uh, so I missed, uh, I missed going back and checking to see if Michigan had a timeout at the end. And I can't remember, but there was the, even if they did, people were saying, uh, if they had a timeout, then it would give give an Oregon a chance to set up a defense and prepare, blah, blah. I I wasn't really the timeout or not. That wasn't the thing that got me. The thing that got me was the fact that Michigan's last two possessions, down by one, both possessions were three-point shots. Yeah, yeah, and that was a good point you made. And I, I think you tweeted that, and I said, yeah, that was a very good point. Uh, I'm not necessarily agreed with you. Now that I thought about it was the whole Walton driving to the basket to draw the foul, which I would agree with you, but... I think Oregon had a couple timeouts left, and they would have just – it wouldn't have mattered. You know? Oh, it was the fouls. They, they had yeah. another foul to give. Yeah. Now, now that's, that's the thing. I don't though. think it had time. I don't think it had time to throw it in and then get the shot off. I think there's like eight seconds left. But, you know, the whole 
if they didn't have timeouts, you know, totally. I don't think, you know, Oregon had enough timeouts to warrant, you know, going in there and following them, then he probably would just, you know, had to throw it in. And I don't think usually when you throw in a ball and you got about five to six seconds, you really don't have a good shot because, you know, throwing it in really takes up a lot of time or doesn't take up a lot of time, but it's just, it's tough to get, you know, a shot off. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I agree with you. I think like you said, the, the, the two threes just drove me batty. Yeah. Why <laughs> would you do that? All you need was a two in the in lane and at the perimeter and make it. And why would you step back to the line? I, I, I can kind of understand if one, if one of two were three point attempts, right. but the fact that both of them were, because I, I think it was partially in their mind. Oregon is a great shot blocking team. So it's just like the closer we get, the greater of a chance that they're just going to block our shot. Well, yes, that may be true, but you don't have to take a shot at the arc. You could, get a little bit closer. You don't have to go right to the basket. You could get a little bit closer right. and get a higher percentage shot. Yeah, or like you said, maybe try to drive the basket and go up for a shot to get fouled. You know, maybe do something like that so you go to the line. You know, and, yeah. and the, you know, and I, I think that's what you were referring to, and I said, yeah, that would have been perfect. Well, Walton should have had the ball. You and I agree. Walton should have had the ball. Uh, he should have taken the last shot, and it it, it was a perfectly well executed shot. It was just short. I mean, way short. And usually he makes those. And we, you know, you and I, I think the one play that drove me bonkers is not only that one. The one play that literally just made me say, I just can't understand this. Is what is the percentage when you get a free throw shot, and then? you have what two guys right there underneath the basket and you box out and you get the rebound. Oh yeah. Odds, odds of the other team getting the ball is pretty slim, yeah. but they didn't even box out. They got the ball and he went in for the layup. And yeah. I just, man, you've got to be kidding me. Nobody even tried to get that ball. <laughs> yeah. Re- rebounding was all in its oh. own um, yeah. issue all b- beside itself. So that, that would have changed the game too. But just, I mean, people always analyze the end, end of the game, too, when in actuality it's the entire game because, I mean, you know, if there was a missed free throw, it would have made a difference. If somebody else had made a shot that they missed and all those sorts of things. But that's the thing where uh, I'll even kind of go back because of the whole timing thing. Um, my beef was take a higher percentage shot, take one or two dribbles within the arc, get a little bit closer so that your shot. I mean, like imagine if he had taken one more dribble in, maybe a yeah. shot wouldn't have been as short and maybe it could have gone in, you know, those kind of things. But then also the people talking about not enough time, Oregon was going to foul. Michigan right. was not playing aggressive there at that. That was their oh, they, problem. No, not at all. Because not, you, you watch those other games that happened this past weekend where teams were playing aggressive Mm-hmm. Um, two times the ball was at the other end of the court and Michigan, when Michigan had the ball, they had seven set over seven seconds at half court. And people were right. saying, you don't have enough time to get below the basket and everything. You're going to get fouled. Then there's going to be no time left. There were two times, and I can't remember the specific teams in the specific instances now. Um, uh, other than one of them was Florida. There was seven seconds left on the clock. 
full court, player goes all the way down to three-point line, has enough time to shoot. Full court. Oh, yeah. And so if you're at half court, you could easily get in and pull up a quick shot within, like, the first couple seconds to see if you get fouled and just, you know, try to go to line or something like that. So there could have been enough time, but you had to be aggressive. But that was a thing that they weren't aggressive because even when Walton got it, like, he was just dribbling around the arc. He didn't even, like, try to get the get in and then pop the ball back out. So it, right. that, that lack of aggressiveness, I mean, you if you watch the end of Michigan's game compared to the end of the Florida-Wisconsin game, uh, I'm pretty sure that one was. And uh, there was another one that came down kind of like that, too. Look at how aggressive the teams are. I think it was even the North uh, North Carolina game where the guy drove in, popped the ball out. The guy was completely wide open. Yeah. And, and, and he score, nailed right. the sh- it. Was a long, it was a long two also. You know, right. it, it wasn't, like, right next to the basket or anything. Like, and that's the thing. They were aggressive, and that is probably – the biggest thing that was working against Michigan was the fact that they were not being aggressive. Like I said, not having to go to the basket, but you just have to create that space. So that yeah. that was my thought. That was my. And two then cents. not using Mo Wagner was a little weird. I mean, here here you got a guy that won the last game for us, you know, against Louisville, who stepped up and he was nowhere to be seen. Duncan Robinson was terrible. He just he could not do anything. He was fouling, and you know we got foul trouble early on, which kind of. Yeah a little bit and it was just a very sloppy game it felt like michigan is their championship game was against louisville i think they just played their hearts out like crazy to get back and win that game and then it was just like you know almost like a weight lifted off them i'm like wait a minute you still have another game coming up and it felt like that and you know what you can't you but you're right. I mean, you got to say, you know, Walton is just special. He's a special player. He's fantastic. The team was just well motivated by Beeline. And, and yeah, they went really, really far. It's just disappointing because you, you, you knew. I think you and I both agree, and I think a lot of Michigan fans out there right now think we could have beat this team and beat them handily if we would have at least shot a little bit better and it seemed like they were shooting bad, we were shooting bad, and one was just going to make just enough plays to win it. And Oregon did, man. They they did it at the very last, what, minute? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it unfortunate, was... man. I hate games like that. You know what I mean? It, you know what it reminded me of? You know what it reminded me of? Football? It reminded me of what football game does it remind me of? Oh, man. Hmm. I t- 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 Iowa, yeah. Oh yeah, sloppy. Both teams can't do really anything. Yeah, nobody's scoring. It's just, I mean, nobody's doing anything. It just seemed like nothing, no plays, nothing. And then somebody does something at the very last moment to win it all, and that was Iowa. And though I hate those games, man. I can't stand those games because you know it's going to come down to that. Yeah, for for the Michigan fans, that has not been a good situation. Gosh, well, no. even switching then over to football now, I'm trying to remember the last time that worked in Michigan's favor. I mean, yeah. you think you think of the big ones, and there was uh, Michigan versus Notre Dame, uh, where it came down to a Michigan uh, beat them back in 2011. Uh, another just crazy one uh, that makes you think of it is the 
ugly Northwestern game played at Northwestern with the last second field goal. Right. Um, but recently, like even since Harbaugh has been there, what game has been at the end that Michigan comes back to take the lead? Has that happened? No, that's a good question because I think I don't think so. I honestly think that all the Michigan football games that have been close at the end, um, Michigan has lost. We were leading, you know, you're right, because now I keep thinking there are games that we pulled out something to win, but I don't think we came from behind to win it. I guess you could say the Florida State game was pretty close. Yeah, Florida State. We were down by a lot, and we came back when we – pretty much should have won that and we didn't but you're right i don't think there's been a time i think you know the wisconsin game came down to last play but we were winning yeah uh let's say a soda game what a couple years ago a couple years ago when you know holding them down but we were winning yeah so yeah was there a time where we had to go down and we had a score and that i don't think that's happened I don't think that's happened since uh, Harbaugh's been there or even, like, well, right before Harbaugh got there. It was so ugly. Right. Um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting. I mean, we've held on to leads. We've totally blown people away. Right. Um, but I don't think there's ever been a time where it's, like, having to come back in the fourth quarter to win a close one. I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at that. That's really kind of intriguing me now. I mean, we had comebacks so against, like, Colorado, what was it? It was close game at halftime, and then we pulled away in the second. Uh, second but you know, what? give us a give us a shout out, give us a tweet, give us a message. Um, if you come up with something, fans, that'd be great. Uh, let me and Caleb know, and try to get it on the show. And you know, yeah. if you come up with something that we don't know, and that'd be great. Or you can call the voice uh, voicemail too. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah, interesting to think about. So. But, I mean, as we're kind of getting into football and everything, I know we start off with the basketball talk. We've got kind of a mix of things to talk about today. Nothing too straightforward, one uh, subject episode or anything here. So we'll go ahead and transition and get into more of the football talk here coming up. Yeah, football, football, football. Yeah. Now that basketball is officially done, a lot more people are looking forward to football. So a bunch of, well, I I don't know if I would say a bunch, but quite a bit of different things kind of going on right now. Um, Spring practices, uh, seeing a lot of people talking about the uh, spring practices, the situation uh, just like where players are, starting possible starting lineups and things like that. Um, one of the more interesting topics, um, with players moving around and everything that is transfers. And there was one that came out this week. Craig, do you want to go ahead and start the conversation with that one? Uh, Kingston Davis, I'm guessing you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, this one's, I want to say I'm not. We're not. I'm not surprised. So let's start off that. Um, I'm surprised, and I'm not surprised. It's kind of. I'm try to juggle that in a way, and I'll tell you why. Um, 
obviously Kingston Davis came in as a, you know in a way that we thought he would probably primarily be a fullback, and I think every most Michigan fans knew that, and I think at times Jim Harbaugh was like, "Hey, look, if you show that you can run, you know, run that ball, you know, you'll be starting line, uh, tailback here," and and he was actually, I think he played in a couple. Uh, I think he played in one of the games, uh, a couple, you know, a couple minutes. But um, he, you know, he has the body form of a fullback, but he's, you know, he's strong, he's athletic, and um, he would have been a pretty good addition to Michigan. Uh, and I think, you know, according to his father and himself, I think he wants to play uh, a halfback, and he wants to be a, primarily a running back, which is great for him. And uh, I, I. To me, I don't think Kingston Davis is a D1 uh, running back. So I think he'll do great, you know, at one of the lower end schools, you know, maybe maybe even a Mac school. But um, he's a crazy good talent. I think the one of the things I was just a little bit shocked about is actually that uh, Jim Harbaugh actually visited him twice. Uh, he actually went back to his house and uh, to get him to come to Michigan, and then this kind of goes down. So that's a little bit, you know – a little bit odd to me that, you know, if here's a guy that Jim Harbaugh went after twice to make sure he's coming to Michigan uh, and then he's transferring makes me believe that he was, I think Jim Harbaugh just said, hey, look, man, you're going to be a fullback here at Michigan. And I, I just don't think Kingston David wa- Davis wanted to be a fullback. Uh, I actually think he would have been done really, really well here. I really do. I think he would have been a fantastic fullback. I just don't think he wants to be that, and that's why he transferred. So, yeah, that's why I've seen too. Uh, there was a little bit of stuff from what his father said and everything, and that's what it looks like. I mean, um, from what I've seen and uh, what's out there publicly is, yeah, that. Michigan wants him to be a fullback or at least focus on the fullback and he and his father don't uh don't want that yeah. which so, is um and Jim Harbaugh lo- you know and I you and I know Jim Harbaugh loves fullbacks yeah he loves to use them in fact you know and it, they score quite a bit for us so <laughs> um that's why I was kind of a little bit surprised because he would have done really really well but I think he just wants to be a primary ball carrier yeah, and and I agree with that too. I I think he would have done really well. I'm not sure how things were exactly performing for him, um, but yeah, the and I think there was something even mentioned too, just the fact that the running back um, depth chart is so deep and so versatile. And, loaded, yeah. yeah, it's so loaded. Uh, great word to use that uh, he was not going to make his way up there. Right. So, but yeah, I. I I agree. I mean, it's it's one of those. It, it appears to be one of those things where the player is interested in uh, specific uh, duty, specific position, and they're not going to be able to attain that Michigan because of the level of competition and everything. So, wish him best of luck wherever he goes, uh, unless someday he finds himself on the field uh, against Michigan, then. Hopefully Michigan will just roll that day. No offense to anybody yeah. that Michigan faces, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So wish him the best of luck. I that is really a big bummer because I totally agree with you that he would have been a good fullback. So 
We'll be watching that. There's a lot to watch with the talk that's going around about the depth chart, the starting lineups, especially focusing on the lines, both offensive and defensive, but primarily the issue that everybody's hoping gets improved upon um, right. fixed would be amazing, but we're hoping for at least improved from last year to this year is mm-hmm. the offensive line. So that's been talked about uh, recently, Craig, if you want to um, go yeah, with that conversation just, as well. Boy, I tell you, it's up in the air, man. It really, yeah. I don't think anybody really knows what's going to go on with that. And, you know, and, you know, I think we got two guys that are going to be there and Cole and Bredesen, but um it's, I think they're going to be, you know, maybe shuffling around on what to do. But, uh, you know, Ruiz, you know, does Ruiz come in and become that uh, center, number one recruit last year for us and at that starting position? Because I, <clears throat> at this moment, you and I are both in agreement that uh, this offensive line will be the key in what Michigan does. It really will. I mean, a lot of people are like, man, we lost a lot on defense. Sure, but... This offensive line needs to, you know, get going, and we'll see what uh, Jim Harbaugh and, and, and Drebno does, and see what happens. But uh, yeah, that's the biggest question mark, man. I mean, you know, what are your observations on, you know, what's what they're going to do? You know, usually they shuffle guys around and they move them around to where I don't even know. I know was it Kugler and some of those guys. You know, they I don't think they're moving up and rankings very much so i i just think that the, in some of those guys you know got uh who's the guy that got hurt i keep forgetting his name um uh newsome um think you know i think some of those guys you know might do well but I, they're just not moving up so i'm kind of up in the air i, I just don't know where that you know where they're going to shuffle them so yeah i don't have a lot of information more on that. I mean, I know we expressed concern during the season, after the season, during the 2017 recruitment about uh, needs for the offensive line. So we've seen some of those come in. Honestly, I think uh, that some of the 2017 recruits will be on that line um, because it needs a lot of help. And I think that all of us are pretty much aware of how vital that that position that group is because it's all uh, often said that's where the battles won is in the trenches because yeah even if you don't have because losing so many players i mean it's going to hurt everywhere but you're losing uh receivers you're losing uh, Smith at running back. Your offense is going to have a tough time gelling probably, but if you have a great offensive line that can make gaps for the running backs, that can buy time for the quarterback and everything, it just helps that process move so much easier. Yeah. If you have a, a terrible line, though, that just makes it all that more worse. Well, and the thing is, is when's the last time Michigan's actually had a just a dominant offensive line? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where I'm always kind of going, hey, you know what? 
that's important to us because you and I, it's been a long time since we have had, you know, an offensive line that's blocked well for a running back. That's why, to me, I think Chris Evans is a, a fantastic running back. I think he's fantastic, but if he, he's on the small side, but man, if you have an offensive line that can't block, he's he's useless. I mean, he would have to kick out to the outside to do all his damage, and I'm just not sure, you know, if that's the case, you know. So, yeah, well, I mean, he worked with it last year, and you saw last some year. of his uh, some of his productivity, but yeah, it will need to be approved upon this year. So. That is a big uh, subject highlighted on everybody's paper for Michigan is the offensive line. And that's on I mean, yeah. who could do, you know, he could be, a, a, you know, at guard, you know, they can move him over to guard or, you know, and he had uh, what um, uh, Bushel Beatty, you, you know, he remember he briefly had a start. Yeah. And he, he showed some promise. He showed some promise. So, but you know, I think this is the, perfect spot if you think about it uh, Ruiz Cesar Ruiz the center the number one center in the country last year coming to Michigan this is perfect for him to say look man they don't have anybody at center very well this is this is his job man if he could take it and and do well that would be and he would be there for quite a long time and do really really well so but, yeah, uh, if we could have someone come into the offensive line like Rashawn Gary came into the defensive line, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, that would be yeah. fantastic. Well, the thing is, is you have well, we had Mason Cole at center, so you would have to move Mason out somewhere else, and then you would move Ruiz in. But uh, we'll see where that goes. So I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah, that's that's tough to tell. That is not my strong suit on knowing how sometimes they decide to push them, pull players, move them on down the line, and everything. So, but it is Drevno, and I believe with the coaching changes now it's Frey. Yeah, right. That's they're the two that are kind of leading that whole offensive line development. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we'll... you got all kinds of things. If you, you know, if you and I want to dive in a little bit more into some of the other things, you got the tight ends. I mean, you can talk about, you know, with Jake Putt's departure, you got Asiasi transferring, and then you got, you know, you have, you got Tyrone Wheatley Jr., and, you know, he's a stud, but, you know, he's a really good blocking tight end. And then you got, what, Ian Bunting and, He's a he's a pretty good you know pass catching tight end, and then you got Eubanks, and he's real tall and lanky and McKeon. And so you know we got tight end spots there. It's just are you going to have that Jake Butt guy that's just going to come out and stand out and be that guy? You know what I mean? That guy that's just like I th- I know Ian Bunting had flashes you know when he came in, but are you going to have that stud like Jake Butt in this group? And we'll see. I. This year, I don't think so. I mean, unless unless Wheatley, uh, the person who I believe would maybe do some crazy development like that this year, I would point to as maybe Wheatley. But outside of that, I don't think you're going to have anybody close to Jake yeah. Butt productivity. But, I mean, go ahead, could prove me wrong. So, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking at some, I was able to pull up some things here now, too. Um Good news for, I mean, kind of goes without saying, 
But good news with the offense, uh, hearing good things with Peoples-Jones. Yeah. Her, his development. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of buzz out there, a lot of few little articles about what Peoples-Jones is doing. So I guess some crazy catches. So um, some eye-popping catches, like he's the real deal. And you just need Spate to get that uh, rapport with him. And, you know, he'll be doing really, really well. Boy, that is a position that you and even you and I are just still kind of like, you know, what's going to happen? Because we're not going to know until these spring games come up or the, and these practices and these things that are going on to see who's developing. Because if you look at it, what do you got? Drake Harris, you got what? Maurice Ways, um, you got McDoom and Crawford as your experienced receivers and out of those i don't even know who the starter is (laughs) i mean or the number one receiver i can't pick out of those guys because i don't know so could it be Tariq black could it be people's jones sure i mean from what i'm hearing people's jones looks like he's gonna go in right away and be the number two or number three guy or number one i don't know but uh you know it's you know what really comes down to who Spate likes and favors the most, and we'll see who that is. And he just seems to develop better with. And and you and I saw that with our Darbo. He had somehow what a and they had Rudock who actually favored Chesson a little bit more, and then yeah. you had Spate favoring Darbo a little bit more. So we're telling you and I are both looking at this like. Each quarterback coming in seems to favor a different receiver, and that's why you and I are kind of at a like crossroads, like going, I don't know who it's going to be. It, it, you and I just don't know until we, you know, we get these games, you know, practice games going in the spring, yeah. thing going and we'll figure it out. So. Well, so much is still changing because yeah. you had first-year quarterback uh, with some players who have been there before with Rudock. Uh, he favored chess and next year you lose Rodak, so you have the new qu- quarterback in spate who favors darbo now you lose all the main receivers of but darbo chesson and right. you still have spate who as it looks right now will be the starter but that could change as well but every every year that main key position where there's that important chemistry has been changing. There is no repetition whatsoever. Because, like I said, Rudock, one year gone. Then you have the receivers return again, but you have a new quarterback. Now all the receivers are gone, and you bring back your quarterback, so you have a new receiving core. So it is just yeah. constant change and everything. And, and you, would have, you would actually think if we had Jake Butt on our tight ends, you would say he would be the number one receiver. He's gone. So I'm gone. Chesson's gone. Darbo's gone. Jake Butt's gone. And you and I were actually during the year even said this, didn't we? We said during the games that he Spate favors, you know, he's got three guys maybe he looks at, and that's about it. I mean, he don't really – look for the fourth maybe and threw it to Perry once in a while. But, uh, you know, Darbo, Jake Butt, and possibly, you know, somebody else, you know, here and there. But maybe Chesson once in a while. But that was about it. And this will be really, really interesting to see who he develops with. Yeah, for sure. So. We'll see. Yeah. 
then questions too with the uh, defense as well. More so, not the cornerbacks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're uh, a big question. I mean, there's a ton of questions with the Michigan offense, but um, not as much questions looming around the defensive line as there are the offensive line. So, yeah, it just changes all over the place. I mean, it's – I said it before. I'll say it again. I mean, it's a little almost, if you might say, nerve-wracking thinking about how there are going to be so many young players and thinking about how this year might be down from last year. Right. But there's that potential. I mean, we haven't seen it for some time. I'm trying to think, in my opinion, where you bring in those young guys and they just catch fire. I mean, you think about some of the great Michigan players who, like, came in and started playing great right away. Mm -hmm. There's the potential you could get some of that this year. So don't count anything out. We'll see how it goes. And uh, definitely will be fun to watch and it's going to be an ongoing conversation during the It offseason. is. I mean, we're I mean, Michigan I believe is going to be good. We just don't know enough yet. We just there's so many opportunities for these players to take the reins and run with it. I mean, if you're a Michigan player, even you remotely listen to this program, you've got the you have it in your hands to run with this and have the starting job. I mean, you got what cornerbacks? We lost Jordan Lewis. We got Channing Dribbling's gone. Jeremy Clark's gone. And then you got what? Lavert Hill and David Long. They, you know, those, you know, those guys were four star guys last year. They're coming in and, you know, they got a, a few snaps, but Ambry Thomas coming in and, you know, you got Keith Washington's there. And what, what's the last guy? Watson, I think. But um, the cornerback part of this is like it's wide open i mean you any of those guys can take i just don't know who's going to be you know the starter who's going to be the stud you know we're going to have to wait and see on that because we have no sampling of any of these guys we've seen tape on them we've seen that what lavert hill can do and david long and ambry thomas who's a absolute beast but uh we just still have enough we we still don't know enough oh and also the the recruit when we out of Alabama, you know, that we, you and I had. Yeah. Jamark Woods. uh, Yeah. Jamark Woods. So, you know, you got all these positions up for grabs that these players could have. And we'll just, we, you and I, it's actually going to be a lot of fun to see who steps up. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're well, I mean, kind of speaking with that and everything and things looking forward to the 2017, we need to do our early 2017 preview. Uh, we did our 2016 year in review, and at some point we need to get around to doing a 2017 preview, as well as we're going to be transitioning into uh, some interviews again. We had some last year, and it uh, looks like we might be able to get some lined up here as well. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah, that that takes a bit more planning and everything, but those will probably be on the way. So, yeah, 2017 preview, we need to, I don't know, because I know you've got stuff coming up, so maybe maybe we'll do that after after yeah. the fact. I mean, did you take a look at, uh, I don't know, you know, maybe some, I don't know, did you take a look at the, the, the Big Ten 
like scheduling for the year, the non-conference. Did you go over that and look at it? No, I didn't. I think I saw somebody post something about it, but it's pretty interesting, you know, and I'll kind of share it with you. Um, Is there an article for that or, um, kinda, and you know, it's pretty interesting and you know, they went by big 10. So we'll, we'll stick to big 10 cause you, you and I usually just stick to that. But, uh, Michigan is number one as far as the non-conference um, games, uh, as far as like strength of schedule. I mean, that, we we have it the worst. <laughs> so, so for Michigan, you know, a lot of Michigan uh, trolls and a lot of people that hate Michigan, you can't really blame us and say, "Hey, you know what? This you got a cakewalk schedule because we don't." Because our oh, wait, wait though, we do. They're going to bring up something. We get to play Michigan State and Ohio State at home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to bring it up, even yeah. though we played both of them on the road last year. Right. And they're going to go, yeah, but yeah, I know. Oh, trust me. They will. Yeah. They'll figure out something, but, uh, well, let's, you, let me tell let me show you what we got. Okay. Let me read it off. I'll do the top five. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as, and I'll get your opinion. Okay. Usually it's based on, you know, on a non-conference game, uh, game scheduled that you'll have one game that's really tough and then the other two are cakewalks correct so you kind of go that way but uh all right michigan's at number one as far as uh uh, the strength of uh non-conference games coming up Uh, obviously september 2nd we meet uh uh we we go up against florida in texas so we're going to be in dallas playing them which is going to be our toughest game because florida is actually a really really good team good defensive team so that'll be a good test for us then uh, we play Cincinnati, which is a pretty good football team. Not bad. Yeah, Luke Fickle. Yeah. And then we play uh, – then we got to uh, go up against Air Force. Now, let me tell you something about Air Force that a lot of people don't know. Maybe they do. Air Force has given us a lot of fits because they run that triple threat offense. Yeah. And it's just a freaking – first of all, it annoys me because it's a booger to figure out because you don't know. They got – the the quarterback is either pitching it, running it. You don't know what he's doing. <laughs> so they got so many things to do, and it confuses you. So that'll be a really good test for for us. But um, number two is going to be Ohio State because right out of the gate they play Oklahoma again, like they did last year. But this time it's going to be at the at the horseshoe. Um, then they got to play Army, and then they got to play UNLV. Okay. Number three is Nebraska. They got to play Arkansas State, and then they got to play Oregon, and then they got to play Northern Illinois. Okay. Yeah, I think I may have found what your the list that you've got. Michigan State, Bowling Green, Western Michigan, and then Notre Dame, which won't be easy for them whatsoever given this year. And then Purdue. Purdue's got a. Mm, I'd say he's got a pretty tough one because if let's say you go, they got to play Louisville, which is always good, <laughs> a great team every year. You know, one of the one of the better coaches there, and then they got to play Ohio, you know, Bobcats there. But uh, then they got to play Missouri, which isn't. They've been kind of down this year, but they're not bad. They're not a bad team. So, and then rounding out Maryland and then Rutgers, but. Uh, I mean, what do you think about that? Does anything kind of pop out at you? You just. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, like when you get past Florida and Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. 
I think there might be kind of a significant drop. I mean, I know Oregon's always been a Oregon and Notre Dame have always been reputable programs, but of recent years, especially last year, um, you've seen them drop quite a bit. So I don't know. It'll it, it does appear like there's a bit of a drop once you get past Michigan and Ohio State. No, I agree because um, Nebraska's got a Sun Belt team, and then they got to play a MAC team. Yeah, and Oregon. Uh, there, there might be one of the tougher because it is at Oregon. Um, right. I think the other. It looks like all the other ones. Well, nope, not uh, for Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State. It looks like those are all home games except for the neutral site for Michigan, of course. But, um, yeah, then Purdue goes to Missouri and everything. So yeah, it's um. I don't know. It'll be. I think one of the interesting ones out of all these, and I would take a look at, is not because I particularly don't like the program, but uh, Michigan State at four. And it'll be interesting because you know Bowling Green, mm, they're okay. They're not the greatest team, but then they got to play Western Michigan. Remember Western Michigan? Uh, who's the paddle or the oars guy? Yeah. <laughs> well, know? PJ Fleck. Yeah. Is yeah, now that... Minnesota. So right. And he's not there, and I get that, but, you know, are they still going to be really, really good? So they could. Yeah. I mean, if they got a lot of players coming back, you know, they could really call, cause Michigan State a fit. And yeah. then they got to play, obviously, Notre Dame, which is no slouch. They got a good recruiting going on. But uh, that one's really intriguing. And also, so is uh, obviously Purdue at five because they got to play Louisville and then Ohio, uh, Missouri. So. Well, I've got on here. Oh wait, they're pl- is that they're playing in Indianapolis? Yeah. Or, okay, because yeah. I was confused. I was like, usually they do that where it's like Miami, and then it's like in quotations of Ohio. But so that means it's a neutral site location. Yeah. Yeah. Let me see. Yeah, because they did that with the Michigan game. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's rough for them. Louisville, and then they also have Missouri on there, which mm-hmm. Missouri hasn't been fantastic, but they always seem to. Do all right. Then it'll be interesting to see Texas, how they're doing with their new coach, and then UCF, um, how they're fending. So, Well, you know, the good thing is Michigan plays Cincinnati at home, which is pretty good, but uh, and, and Air Force. So that's always really good. That'll be good for us. So, And, you know, obviously, like you said, they'll go, oh, yeah, you got your non-conference games at home. So. Yeah. So uh, well, eight. All of their games are at home too. Yeah. <laughs> their non-conference games are at home. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also Michigan State. All of theirs are at home. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. So Michigan State and Ohio State can't say anything because we're actually going on the road to Arlington, Texas. Yeah, that's if right. If we want to say anything about playing them at home, so. But I guarantee you, one of them. Ohio State or Michigan State, one of them is going to bring up that we're playing both of them at home this year. Probably. But, yeah, what kind of Florida team shows up? Yeah, and that's that's always the toughest thing. The first game of the year, I I don't know how – here's a question for you. Do you like having a big game at the beginning of the year, like when we played Alabama um, Mm -hmm. 
yeah. back, what was it, 2012 or something like that? And when we yeah. have those big games, the very first game of the year, or would you rather have, like, say we play Cincinnati, then we play for Florida, then we play yeah. Air Force? Boy, you make it. <sighs> yeah, I, you know what? I'm not a I'm not a fan of playing big games in the very beginning, just because there's there's a lot of rust. There's a lot of, uh, you know, you don't you're not. There's no big time game playings, and you know what, Caleb? Especially this year, we just have so many question marks everywhere. We've got a ton of talent. I just don't know. What, what we're going to see and do, you know what I mean? And I don't know who, who's going to step up in the game and do well. I think we're going to play well. I just don't – there's so many question marks in this team, you know, with receivers and and um, and the defense and offensive line and uh, corners. And so, I'm, yeah, you know, I get what you're saying. I'm not a fan of it because I like teams to warm up a little bit and then get going to play the big games. But uh, all teams are rusty. Yeah, so it's gonna come out with rust. We're gonna come out with rust, and you just you have to win. You have to have the team that just seems to prepare the best and and ready for it. And so uh, I'm not a fan of it because I remember what you're talking about of what Brady Hoke was the wasn't he the um, coach during that time with uh, Denard Robinson, and we went up against uh, Alabama and we got crushed. Yeah. So and that was a, that was an ugly game, but. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a fan of it. If you're going to lose, I guess it's good to lose in the beginning, the first game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not the biggest fan of it either. I'm not going to really speak out against it because exactly like you said, I mean, both teams are coming into the same situation the same way. I mean, they, it's their first game for both of them. There's the good and the bad with it. The good is that they both come in the same, the, bad is you can't prepare for them and they can't prepare for you exactly because you don't really know who's starting all the time and things right. like that so I mean there's undoubtedly going to be somebody for each team or maybe one team is just going to shine more than the other where it's just like wow look at that player look at that player nobody knew that player was going to do so well and that kind of thing and it's just like well there goes your game plan throw it out of the window because you there was no prep for right. this situation because you had no idea. So, but I mean, both teams are in the same situation. So I'm, I'm all right with it. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I'm not like, Oh yeah, let's, let's always do this. But I mean, it, it's not really an advantage for either of them. I would say so. You know, that was a good point you made. You said, um, you know, when you're playing a team, like, for instance, let's take last year. Take that in the beginning. I think a lot of teams who came into playing Michigan knew what they were getting. You know, they knew Darbo and Chesson, and Chesson had the speed. They knew exactly what they're going to use. They didn't know a lot about Spate and what kind of passer he was, and I get that. They knew what kind of, kind of running backs we had in Smith and a couple other guys. Uh, the defense, we, you know, obviously we had a great defense, uh, especially in our corners. Um, Semi-average offensive line, but uh, but this year, these like say Florida's gone. Man, Michigan, I, if I don't have any, I don't have anything on these guys. I have Spate and Evans, and that's about it. 
I mean, really, yeah. that's all they got on us. They don't know what receivers are going to step up. They don't know what, you know, like I was saying, rapport that Spate's going to have with any receiver. They don't have any clue who the tight end is going to be, the one who's going to step up and score or do great. They do know one thing is maybe, you know, Evans is probably going to be our lead running back. And that's about it. Uh, offensive line is is an up in question. The defensive line is going to be very well. I think they got that hashed out really well. But the corners, the you know secondary, they don't have a clue if it's going to be long and any of these other guys are going to step in. So it's if you and I are like, wow, what's going to happen? They certainly don't. Yeah, the uh, not to get too far into a preview of 2017. I think that bodes well because I think the main teams that are of concern that we're going to be facing in 2017 are not the strongest passing teams. Right. Florida has question marks at quarterback. Ohio State's not known for being a passing team. Um, You know, Michigan State had their issues at quarterback and everything. Right. Not the greatest wide receiver core. So, yeah, it's kind of like beef up that defensive line build the cornerbacks throughout the season and hopefully somebody steps up and we uh, do well on everything. So yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. Clearly the biggest one of the, the one that you and I are going to keep an eye on is again, Ohio state against Oklahoma. So it's, it's a really, really tough game for them and Oklahoma. So um, that'll be a tough game. So, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Talk to, quite a bit with that different stuff there so but we are kind of winding down with our time so what we will go ahead and do here is just transfer into some closing thoughts and end things out so stick around okay so a uh, few things closing here. Uh, last time, if you did not hear, did not listen, and maybe this next uh, next week's episode, we might say it at the beginning just to make sure to catch people before they sign off the podcast. We do have shirts. Uh, not a lot of reaction. Um, so there will be an order placed at some point in time, even if it's a small order. But if you guys don't let us know who's interested and for what sizes... There will be a limited supply, so first come, first serve. Just an FYI, so if you wind up not getting anything, then sorry. <laughs> that's that's yeah. that's the best I can give you, like a little shoulder shrug, sorry. We're, going, we're basing things off the information that we have, so if we don't have the information, we don't go that far with it. So, um, but yeah, Craig put together a cool design. We have that. Uh, we tweeted something out there, so maybe I'll retweet or maybe it's pinned. I'm not sure, but uh, put something out there and let you guys know about uh, the prices and everything with that. Get your shirt, man. I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? Well, I'm going to be in Florida tomorrow, man. Night. I'm leaving. Vacation starts oh, tomorrow. Oh, yeah. You're leaving tomorrow. I forgot. Yeah. I'm going to be... You're so weird for doing that. Who leaves yeah, on a Wednesday? Know, <laughs> You're stupid. <laughs> no, I, actually, that's probably smart for yeah. travel plans Indeed. because I feel like, uh, isn't it, are you flying or driving? 
I'm driving, so oh, yeah, well, people. You're really make, stupid, then. I know, yeah, I, <laughs> dude, I, I totally believe. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah, now I have, and I have a room. You know, I have a van full of my. I have three boys, and my other son's gonna bring a friend of his. So it's gonna be my what? Yeah, it's gonna be smelly, gross, probably by the time we get there. But we drive all the way through. You know, my wife and I do five and five, so. So we drive all night and whatever till we get there. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's pretty stupid, man. By the time <laughs> you get there, you know what my wife and I do? We actually take a nap. Oh, yeah. You, you, you you're just to. Yeah, you have to. You can't, you know, and here you are. You got sunny weather. You got palm trees. Beautiful weather. By the time we get there, you know, we leave about 5 or 6. And we'll probably get there around 1 o'clock or 2. And it's like. The boys are like, let's go to the pool. And I'm like, no, I'm going to take a nap. I'm beat. <laughs> yeah. You just missed a whole day. So, yeah, it's driving. It's, man, it's, it stinks. I, 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 I used to love it. When I yeah. was single, yeah. I, I loved it. I could drive all the time. I made the trip to Florida by myself a couple times um, straight through. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, my, my preference actually when I'm doing like a, uh, 12-hour drive or something because i can make it like a good eight hours before you know you start hitting that wall yeah yeah so what i do is what i did when i had those when i when i could plan it this way is i would leave at like 10 o'clock at night and then i would stop somewhere usually like gas station or walmart or something early early in the morning and sleep for like an hour maybe two and then i I get going, and then that way you get that uh, the sunrise to kind of help you wake you up for that last, you know, two or three hour stretch or something to kind of help wake you up and everything. I I was really strategic, but now being married and everything like that, yeah, it's just go with the flow. And but we we haven't had any too long of crazy or driving trips, so you're. Well, yeah. you've got a little bit easier because they're old. I know, man. I'm getting old, and it's just becoming really, really difficult to keep it up. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's fun, and we enjoy our time there. So Yeah, that, sh- that should be fun. So uh, there was some – man, that made me – So what we'll probably end up doing maybe is, you know, next time you hear us, it'll be us, me, reporting from you live down there. <laughs> yeah, are you gone now? When when are you back? I can't remember. Is it a week that you're gone? Or yeah, I'll be gone. Well, I'm leaving tomorrow night, and then I'm getting back Friday. I'm leaving Friday night, so I'll be back Saturday. So. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you will be gone all throughout the week. Okay. Yep. Um. Okay. So yeah, we'll we'll be doing that. So if things happen to not connect well, then I might be doing the episode solo next week. But uh, real, real quick story here on probably one of the most disappointing spring breaks ever. Uh, just to kind of close things out, it makes me think of it. There was one year when I was in high school, and I can't remember what. I think maybe my brother graduated, and that's why he wasn't going with us. But my parents, were, uh, we were going to go down to Florida, and it was just going to be me and my parents. So they're like, hey, you know, go ahead and bring a friend, kind of like your son's uh, doing. And... Uh, so one of my friends was coming with me and he doesn't travel a whole lot or get out of state the whole, a whole lot. So we were going to go to Florida and 
It's been a fun, good old time, but my mom has health issues and everything, and so sometimes, like, she'll get sick, and she just gets sick, and there's not a lot you can do about it. So right. we're going down there, and we have fa- had family at the time in Kentucky, and by the time we got to Kentucky, she was just, like, sick as a dog and stuff like that, and so we actually wound up spending, like, half of spring break in Kentucky or uh like when she finally got better and everything it was just like there's no point in going down because we'll go down there we'll be there for like a day and then we have to come back and do like the two days of traveling to come back so instead of going down there we just drove back home and it 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 was you know that disappointment of you know you've got the friend with you it's gonna be a great spring break and then just all kind of came my mom was fine it was just like you know there was no way she was gonna travel so yeah, then you're, yeah, yeah. Spring break in Kentucky. Yippee. Yeah, all right, man. I uh, know, right? So hopefully, I'm hoping for you and I ho- I'm hoping for all our listeners that uh, you guys all have better spring breaks than that story. So, yeah, yeah, I do too. Safe trips. Yeah, I know. Uh, so that, that's, uh, that should do it for us. Yeah. So. Spring break, uh, here here we come, or at least here comes Craig and his family, so watch out. But we hope you guys have a good rest of the week, and thanks for tuning in. We'll finish off with Go Blue. Go Blue.